Hey everybody, this is Rafe Telsch, and this is episode 29 of Have Not Seen This, a weekly in-depth look at a much-beloved movie, selected specifically by our guest, that they're a little surprised when they find out people have not seen. Welcome back for another episode. Hope everybody is doing well out there. Hope you're still staying inside and following all the guidelines that have been laid out and staying healthy and that we can get through this as quickly as we can by working together. Uh, I want to spend some time talking about some good stuff this week. Uh, so I, I want to start out by congratulating some of my colleagues, some of my past guests, some of my friends for achievements that have been brought to light over the last week. I want to start out uh, I have had Thomas Mariani and Adam Thomas uh, from Double Edge Double Bill on the podcast in the past uh, and, and referenced them numerous times. They referenced this show. We're all really good friends, especially Thomas and I. We go way back. And they hit their 100th episode of Double Edge Double Bill last week. If you go to their feed this week, of course, they're up to episode 101. And I really enjoy listening to their show. And I want to send them heartfelt congratulations on 100 episodes. You guys are awesome. I, I love your show. And listening to you guys on a weekly basis is a big part of why I decided to dust off the microphone and get back into podcasting. So congratulations. Good job, guys, on 100 episodes. Secondly, uh, D.E. Metis is a guest I had on in the past. And when he was on, he was talking about his podcast, Metis Pod, which hadn't had a new episode in quite a while. He was trying to rekindle it and said he'd have a, a new episode up in a couple of weeks. And unfortunately, that didn't happen. But a new episode did go out last week. Uh, it is storytelling, short form storytelling. Really interesting to listen to. Uh, if you don't have time to read a short story, but you want to listen to one, uh, he does some great production work over there. And I highly recommend that as well. Fans of the old podcast will know that my music over there was done by a good friend of mine, B. Bagby. He has a band called Einstein's Monkey that does like child-friendly type music, and they just released a new album, their first in quite a few years. Uh, the press release says Wash, that's the name of the album, Wash, is a full-length album with nine tracks all dedicated to washing hands, rather appropriate in the time that we're in. Of course, we need to wash our hands for about 20 seconds, so each track is about 20 seconds long. The whole album is just under three minutes long. That's got to be some kind of record, right? Uh, I don't know. I would assume that's probably some sort of record, but I know that their new album, Wash, as well as their previous episodes, are all available on Spotify. I highly recommend you check out their work. Uh, I, B did me a great service by allowing me to use his music uh, back in the old days of the podcast. And I, I loved taking my little son when he was younger to see Einstein's Monkey perform in concert. I'm really excited that they've got a new album out. And then finally, Podchaser is one of those websites that's kind of a directory for podcasts. Um, you know, you can find new podcasts through that. And they're putting out an offer through the next week, through April 16th, that every time you leave a review for a podcast, they're donating 25 cents to Meals on Wheels. And if the podcaster responds to the review, then they double it. So a quick way to make money for a good cause, one that's in particular need right now, and I'm sure some money headed their direction would be a great service to them. So head over uh, and leave a review. It has to be at least 20 characters in length and has to be unique. You can't just copy and paste the review 
uh, from podcast to podcast. You can review the podcast as a whole, or you can leave reviews on individual episodes. I'd love it if you head over there and review my show there. I'll guarantee you that I'll respond so we can double that donation. But you can find just about any podcast you listen to in their directory. Leave a review. It doesn't have the same impact that something like Apple does, but in this case, you're raising money for a good cause. So I encourage you, go over there, leave some reviews. I know I will be doing that later this week to to raise money for a good cause, but also to give some of the podcasts I listen to some positive feedback and that it's got to help their spirits as well. Right? So we move from those to our Friday inquiry from last week. Last week, of course, we talked about the secret life of Walter Mitty. And I talked about how my response to that movie changed from the first time I saw it in theaters to rewatching it for the podcast last week. And so the Friday inquiry question I posted on social media last week was, what's a movie you had a drastically different reaction to in different times? Over on Twitter, Emily of Why This Film Podcast replied with, I used to think Queen of the Damned was the greatest movie ever made. Oh, Emily, I'm sorry. Um, you, you poor, poor, poor soul there. Chris Talent says, I'm probably going to get shit for this, but the original Blade Runner. I, I don't know what that means. Like, you used to think it was good, and now you think it's bad, or vice versa. I'm not sure, but okay, sure enough. On Facebook, James Rodders Rodriguez said, Jennifer's Body. Early last decade, I saw it and wrongly dismissed it as dull fodder to appeal to horny teenage boys. I rewatched it last year, and it felt like watching a whole new film. A witty piece that was ahead of its time, feeling very relevant along Me Too news. Uh, and past guest Laura Uber said Testament with Jane Alexander. Saw it the year it came out in 1983 and thought it was thought-provoking and interesting. Saw it again on cable, probably 2005, after I was a parent of three. I was crushed and devastated. I literally wept for two weeks. I could not imagine the pain of the lead character watching her children die slowly. A huge difference in perspective between each viewing. And... As I even noted when I talked about it last week, having kids definitely changes your perspective on things. That was my big reaction with the example I used from House. Um, it certainly has changed my perspective on many things, and I'm not surprised to hear that that has had impact on other people as well. As always, the Friday inquiry goes out on Fridays, figure that, on social media. You can find us at Have Not Seen This on Twitter and Have Not Seen This Podcast on Facebook. Turning to this week, uh, I, I said I wanted to do some lighthearted films, and this one came in right before I put that request out. I appeared a few weeks ago on Real Rundown and invited both of the hosts of that show to come on this show, and Price Ash took me up on it, and he came with his choice of Fletch, which again, he chose before I specifically said I wanted to do some lighthearted films for a little while to kind of help raise spirits, and this one certainly fits the bill. It is a movie, as I reveal in the episode, I had not seen before, uh, and I really enjoyed watching. We have a great conversation, not only about Fletch, but about other Chevy Chase movies, about the potential that there has been since the 90s for a Fletch sequel or reboot, and we generally have a lot of laughs and a really good time. So I hope you enjoy the episode, and I'll see you on the other side. Here we go with 1985's Fletch. I, w I was listening to one of your episodes the other day mm -hmm. and had a really weird kind of thought process listening to it. Okay. And it was one of your, one of your early week episodes where you're going over the stuff you've been watching. Sure. And like you listed off two or three or four TV shows mm -hmm. that you've been watching. And, and I, admittedly, I know you've been home more. You've had time to like binge watch stuff. Yeah. 
But I was listening and I'm going, how the hell does he have focus for all of these shows? <laughs> um, and then I started thinking, well, that's how we watch TV in the old days. Yeah. We had five or six or seven shows that we watched because we only watched them once a week. Right. So it just, it kind of entertained me the way our thought process has changed that now I'm just like, well, this is the show I'm watching right now. And yeah. I watch it until I'm, I'm burned through what's available and then I'll move on to the next show. But you don't do that. No, I mean, one, one of the reasons I don't do that is because of the nature of our show. Because if I'm talking about the same show every week, people aren't going to really, they're going to get tired of that. So I try to watch a bunch of different stuff and half of the shows I'm talking about, like I'll watch, I'll burn through like five episodes in a week or something. And then it'll take me a couple of weeks to finish the actual series or the season or whatever. Uh, but I want to be able to watch new stuff every week. So I have something new to talk about on the, on the podcast. Uh, but that, that's kind of how I've always been. I, I of course latch on to one or two shows and, and watch them all the way through, but I have a lot of different shows I like to watch because I get tired of watching the same thing consecutively for a long time. I mean, The Office is, is an example. Like, I got myself burnt out on that show. I love that show. But every once in a while, I have to balance it out with a drama, Breaking Bad, or right now I'm watching Ozark, or I'm watching Westworld. Uh, but I, I like to mix it up because I like to get a lot of different narratives at the same time. Uh, but yeah, that, that's kind of how I've always been. Yeah. Well, and as I said, that's that's the way it used to be. It's yeah. just the the way we tend to approach television now has changed so dramatically that mm -hmm. it, it cracked me up that my first thought was, how do you keep track of all those shows? And then, as I said, it dawned on me, oh, wait, that's that's a new mindset than what we used to have. Which episode were you listening to? Um, not, I haven't gotten to this week's yet. So it was okay. last week's. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 I've got a lot of extra time on my hands right now. So I have been watching more than I normally do. Yeah. I should add in that this is going to be like the tightest turnaround I've had from recording to air in quite a while. So any current references you make will still be current when it goes okay. to air. So, okay. you know, when do you plan on putting this up? Oh, this week. It'll, okay, be our, nice. it'll be the next one. Which actually, I, I, I'm going to use you for, before we get, we'll get to the movie. Sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm going to use you as, as a point of defense or a point of uh, throwing myself on my sword. I'm not sure which. Uh -huh. So in my last episode, in my intro, I talked about how I was, I was just sick and tired of all the Tiger King <laughs> memes and the, the, just how pervasive that show has suddenly become into our culture. And yeah. I know you talked about it on this week's episode, even yeah. though I haven't listened to it yet. Right. So the comment I made was that it's just so stupid. Yeah. And one of my good friends uh, who runs another podcast, I've been on his podcast. He's been on this podcast. He called me out for that, that I shouldn't, that calling it stupid is kind of being dismissive mm -hmm. when it's actually an intelligently assembled documentary that mm -hmm. just happens to be about stupid stuff. Sure. And stupid people. How do you describe Tiger King? Because I know you actually have gotten into it. Well, I I guess I come from a, a little bit different because I knew about the story and I was quite familiar with the story. I mean, I've known about it for about a year because uh, I listen to I listen to a lot of podcasts. I mean, obviously, I'm a podcaster, so I listen to a lot of podcasts. And there's a podcast I listen to called Over My Dead Body, which is a true mm -hmm. crime podcast because everybody who listens to podcasts has to have at least one or two true crime podcasts they listen to, <laughs> um, <laughs> which I have like eight different ones that I check in with every once in a while. Uh, but this this is one that's I think is really well done and, and, and put together really well. It's about each season's about 10 episodes. Uh, but the last season they covered the tiger king story uh so i was already familiar with it 
And so going in, I knew what was going to happen. I knew what to expect. Although they did throw some new stuff. Uh, have you watched it yet? No, I'm okay. not going. I don't want to watch it. I feel like it, it's, dude. I feel like it's stupid. It. It's not and stupid, and man. and that's what I got called out on yeah. because I I dismissed it as stupid. And I guess I should have said stupid content. Yeah. But so I mean, do you watch any true crime? Do you like true crime at all? Uh, yeah, I mean, I watch some. Um, I, it's not at the top of my genres, but uh-huh. uh, you know, if it's interesting, like I, making a murderer, I I really got into. Yeah. when Netflix okay. did that. So if you like making a murderer, I think you should definitely watch this show because oh, it's a hundred percent. It's a hundred percent about a different. I mean, it's kind of about a different person, but it's really not because making a murderer is about a pretty stupid person. And again, maybe I shouldn't say stupid, but he's not a very smart individual. Um, and, and neither is Joe Exotic. Uh, Joe Exotic does a lot of stupid things, but it's it's approached from a, a very true crime lens, I guess. Um, and it's it's really well put together. Um, it definitely expands on the story I already knew, and it adds some new players that are kind of peripheral players. They're not really involved in the main storyline but they are connected to joe exotic in some way so it's it's kind of cool to see them and it's just kind of cool to go into this world of i wouldn't say underground tiger breeding and because it's not really underground it's it's fairly above ground most people knew about it uh but it's it's a it's an industry it's an industry you don't see and you don't really know about unless you're in it um and it's really cool to kind of take a bird's eye view into that industry and also the kind of the main players with within that industry because you see a lot of different main players besides joe exotic and they're all batshit crazy all of them. <laughs> um but yeah I it's just, it's know. very similar to making a murder in that like you get to know these characters and they're all insane but just the way it's put together and the way the story is told to you you can't take your eyes off of it you can't even though i knew the story i knew everything that was going to happen everything I still had to continue. I, we binged it in two days. I still had to continue watching Gosh. it because I was like, oh, am I going to learn something new? Which I did learn some new things. But overall, I mean, the ending was the exact ending I knew was going to happen. But I was still fascinated by the way they told the story. So I really think you should watch it, especially if you like making a murderer. All right. I, I, I'm not <laughs> saying you've convinced me. Um, but you've made a case for it and I feel like maybe you have a little more fairly represented it on the show. So Thomas, <laughs> I hope you're happy. Uh, so you asked me about true crime. So you're kind of an enigma and given, I haven't been listening to your podcast very long, but you're kind of an enigma to me. Like you had me on your show to talk about onward, which mm-hmm. is now available on Disney plus, by the way, oh, you had me on there. Nice. Yeah, it just came out today. Uh, you had me on there to talk about that. And then we did a top Pixar movies, but you're not a Pixar person. Right. And then like you did a Vin Diesel episode and you're, the movies you picked for that were really interesting to me. So what's your <laughs> jam? What what are what movie genres are you into? I'm into everything, dude. I, I've got, there's literally nothing I won't watch. And to give you an example, this week I watched Urban Legend and Urban Legends 2 Final Cut. Like oh, I'll watch God. and they were terrible, but <laughs> well, I, loved, I liked urban I, legends. <laughs> no, I, I agree. Like the first urban legend, like it's fun, but I give it, I, I was on letterboxd earlier and rating it. I think I gave it two and a half stars. It's not a good movie, but it's no. fun. Like I like movies like that. I like everything. And just some things resonate with me more than others within a particular genre, but I don't have a genre that I gravitate towards more than others. Now I'd say probably like romantic comedies and stuff like that i don't necessarily gravitate towards those but there are outliers within that genre 
that I love, one of my favorite movies of all time is La La Land. That is a mm. musical romantic drama. Maybe I, don't, I wouldn't even consider it a comedy. fantasy. Yeah, fantasy, yeah. romantic, everything. But that's that is probably if it's not in my top ten movies of all time, it's a hundred percent in my top twenty. Um, I love that movie. It's my favorite movie of that year. Um, but yeah, I I, I don't really. I try not to put myself in any kind of box as far as genres go because I get into everything. Okay. But it it has to be a story that really speaks to me or, or sucks me in um, because there's plenty of true crime that I've tried to watch that I didn't care for and I never finished or, or listened to that I never finished. Uh, so I, I, I like everything. Okay. So kind of jack of all trades, master of none type thing. <laughs> yeah, I, exactly. I dig that. So, th- so then you probably have ample answers for my next question, which okay. is, you know, the concept of the show is mm-hmm. those movies that you're surprised when other people have not seen. Yeah. What are your have not seen movies? What are the ones you haven't seen that people are shocked by? Okay. So it's funny that you mentioned that because uh, Sunday I'm going to be a guest on another podcast, which is kind of the opposite of your podcast called now you've seen it. And <laughs> they pick a movie and they, they say, Hey, anybody that hasn't seen this, let us know if you want to be a guest and, and watch this movie. And it's the movie is blade. I've never oh. seen the original Blade. Oh. And the thing is, I own the Blade trilogy, but I've never watched <laughs> any of it. I bought it at the flea market because I'm a big flea marketer. I bought it at the flea market for like five bucks. And I was like, oh, that's a great buy. All three Blade movies on DVD. It's like the box set. I'm going to buy that. I'm going to watch them. They look pretty cool. I like Underworld. I like Marvel. I'm going to watch that because it looks like kind of a mix between Underworld and Marvel. But I still have never gotten around to watching it. So I, I said, yeah, I'll, I'll record that or I'll watch that and, and review that with y'all. But other movies like that, Platoon is one of them. And mm. I hate to say it, but I own Platoon too. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like me. I have a, I have a, a, a vast DVD library, yeah. and many of them are movies I never got around to watching. <laughs> um, well, I would say I would say ninety five. Maybe 93% of the movies I own, and I do have a vast library as well, I have seen, but there will be these times where I go see a movie and I'm like, oh, I got to watch other movies that are like that. And so I'll go to the used DVD store or I'll go to the flea market and I'll buy a bunch of movies that are like that and I'll watch like two or three and then I'm on to the next fad or next thing and I forget about that. Um, and I just haven't gone back and watched it. Like I bought Platoon after I saw Dunkirk because I'm like, oh, I want to watch a bunch of war movies. So I mm. went and bought that or I went and bought that. I went and bought Full Metal Jacket. I went mm. and bought Hacksaw Ridge. I went and bought a bunch of stuff. And Platoon is one of the Platoon and Apocalypse Now are two that I own that I still have not watched. And I know it's it's a tragedy that I haven't watched those because I know they're they're two of the quote unquote best war movies, but I still have not gotten around to watching them. Personally, I'm not a big fan of Platoon. Okay. I mean, I've, I've, I've seen it. Uh, yeah. In fact, I reviewed it on the old show. I believe we did a, a month of war movies, but Apocalypse Now, I absolutely love. Okay. I'm a, I'm a fan of Heart of Darkness, uh, which is the novel, yeah. but yeah. it's a slog to read. Like it's got some great ideas, but it is thick to read. It's not yeah. something you can just sit there and, and enjoy. You have to work at reading it. And I, I, part of the reason I like Apocalypse Now is I feel like it's a much more user-friendly version of the story. Okay. And now it's not a direct, you know, adaptation. Right. It's lacking, but yeah. 
Uh, Gone with the Wind, never seen it. Honestly, You've never seen Gone with the Wind. I haven't, in I, I'm not in any rush. It doesn't really seem to appeal to me. Okay, um, but I, I've I, I've been shellacked for that, especially by my wife for not having seen that. I'm trying to think of what else I haven't seen. I mean, well, there's plenty a good of list. classics I haven't seen, but I try to every once in a while. If, if I'm in, a, I have to be in a mood to watch an older classic movie. Um, right. I've never seen Godfather two and three because I didn't like Godfather one, and so I never continued watching it. Um, uh, well, three. Most people will tell you not to bother yeah. with three, and and I yeah. kind of agree with that. But two, in my mind, is the best, the best of the trilogy. Yeah, yeah. yeah I love two. Yeah. Although. I had never really sat down and watched Godfather in its entirety. I'd seen it in mm. bits and pieces. And about a year, year and a half ago, I sat down and watched it in entirety and realized a lot of the things that I like about Godfather 2 are there in Godfather. Okay. So they're kind of redone in Godfather 2, which I find really interesting to see how I feel about Godfather 2 now that I've had that full experience interesting yeah um i i keep meaning to go back and watch godfather because i watched godfather when i was in high school and i don't think Mm. i fully i was mature enough to really comprehend the whole thing and appreciate the whole thing because i i love i love gangster films but godfather is not one that resonated with me i love the films of martin scorsese he's my favorite all-time director and i mean many of his films are gangster films and and i like some of them more than others uh but i I love all of his films and, and there are other gangster films I love as well. But uh, that one's one that just didn't resonate with me. Same with like Scarface that didn't resonate with me. And frankly, I, I genuinely don't like that movie. I've watched it a couple times and I probably will never watch it again. I own, but have never seen Scarface. Really? So, so that's one for but you. Know, you. <laughs> but you know what else I had never seen? What? Fletch. Oh, really? Oh yep. my gosh. Okay. Nice. So, I'm so really let's use that to, to transition yeah. into our conversation today, which is about Fletch from 1985, yes. directed by Michael Ritchie, written mm-hmm. by Andrew Bergman, based mm-hmm. on the novel by Gregory McDonald, mm-hmm. starring Chevy Chase, Dana Wheeler Nicholson, Joe Don Baker, Richard yep. Libertini, and Tim Matheson. Ah, oh, for God, Don, Don. What is this man saying? What is this man doing? What in the hell's the matter with you? What is this man's name? My name is Igor Stravinsky. Hi there, I'm uh, Harry S. Truman. I'm uh, Don Corleone. They call him Fletch. Fletch! Fletch! Fletch, F. Fletch. He's good at defending himself. Better tie your shoelaces. Disguising himself. (laughs) And getting himself into trouble. Well, it be Fletch. Go ahead, make my day. He's a reporter. There are no tags on these mattresses who's about to write the story of a lifetime. Will you kill me? Sure. If he lives. Thanks a lot! There isn't a woman he can't charm. Can I borrow your towel for a sec? My car just hit a water buffalo. A question he won't ask. You and your wife are currently alive, I take it. Drop your shorts and bend over, Mr. Babar. A risk he won't take. Probably feel 100% Moon River. To get to the truth. It looks like you two have a lot to talk over. We'll just catch the last 10 minutes of Dynasty. Universal Pictures presents Chevy Chase as Fletch. My hero. Welcome to it. So, yeah, I had not seen this movie before. Really? Um, I'm I'm not the biggest Chevy Chase fan. If I could, if I could just reach through this mic and slap you in the face, I would. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm a huge Chevy Chase fan. I mean, I've seen it. Like, I really enjoy the National Lampoon movies. Mm-hmm. You know, the, that's obviously kind of what he's best known for. Sure. But, like, I didn't like Funny Farm. Yeah, Funny Farm is not one of his best. I enjoy Funny Farm, but I'll more than willing to admit it's not one of his best films. Um, but, yeah, I'm a huge Chevy Chase fan, so I'll pretty much watch anything he's in. And I haven't seen everything he's in either. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree. Funny Farm is not the greatest. So... So Fletch, mm-hmm. in I, well, I was about to start describing it, but the first question, of course, is how do you describe this movie to someone who hasn't seen it? How do you sell someone who's not seen this movie on seeing it? So it's a it's about a smart ass chameleon <laughs> detective or not detective. I mean, he's kind of a detective or he's taking the role of a detective, but he's he's a investigative journalist, which is basically right. a detective smart ass chameleon investigative journalist. Uh, who has been hired to kill somebody that says that they are terminally ill, but he doesn't believe this guy's really terminally ill. Uh, so he starts investigating this guy and, and a bunch of other stuff unravels from there. Uh, but it's it's very absurd, uh, but it's it's just such a such a funny film. Um, and, and it's got uh, it's got a really good storyline, too. It's it's one of those comedies that is not just stupid, uh, which I, I feel like with a lot of Chevy Chase stuff, it's it's kind of stupid comedy. Uh, mm-hmm. But this has a really good storyline, great music, great acting. I mean, supporting cast is fantastic in this movie. I, I think the writing is really well done. Yeah, I mean, that's I know I kind of got off on a tangent there, but that's kind of how I would describe it. I mean, that's how I would describe it. Good. Fletch himself is just kind of a smart ass chameleon investigative journalist yeah i don't know that i agree with you on great music but uh, the oh rest of it gosh. yeah totally <laughs> the synth oh, soundtrack is so it. 80s i love it yeah but i i i grew up i'm born in 1990 but i love 80s movies i don't it's weird and i love 80s music in movies the synthesizer yeah. it's my jam now, you mentioned the supporting cast. Do you remember some of the other movies you said you were thinking about before you finalized on Fletch? Yes. So I was thinking about Matchstick Men. I right. was thinking about, what was I thinking about? Uh, the Naked Gun. What else did I say? I can't remember. I think those are the other, those are the only two that I remember off the top of my head. I thought you had mentioned Blade Runner. Oh, yes. I, I had mentioned Blade Runner as well. And yeah. So it cracked me up that you have yes. M. Emmett Walsh yes. in this. And, and you have William Sanderson yeah, in William this. William Sanderson. And I, <laughs> I had forgotten. I knew M. M. Emmett Walsh was in this, uh, which he's in a bit part, but he's hilarious. Um, and then William Sanderson, they could have gotten anybody to play that role because he was in, what, like 30 seconds of the movie? Yeah, not. maybe. But yeah, I, but I, I completely him. forgot he was in this. And I was like, oh, shit, that's the guy from Blade Runner. I had to look yep. up his name because I couldn't remember his name. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, I, I did not realize that. And there's a bunch of little stuff like that in this. Oh, like, yeah. Um, uh, Uncle Phil. Uncle Phil. I wondered if you recognized him. <laughs> yeah. And I had forgotten about that. Yeah. I, I was shocked when I realized that's who that was. <laughs> so all, you listed all those movies that you had been thinking about. Why Fletch is your choice? Why did you settle on this one? So this is a movie, uh, again, I'm a huge Chevy Chase fan. I grew up on Chevy Chase and um, that kind of style of humor. Uh, I grew up on Chevy Chase. I grew up on Leslie Nielsen in uh, Naked Gun. I grew up on Airplane, uh, National Lampoon's Vacation. I just grew up on a lot of that stuff. And so those are movies that I hold dear to my heart. 
And when I talk to people and they haven't seen Fletch or, or even National Lampoon's Vacation, I get deeply offended. <laughs> Not really deeply offended, but <laughs> I, I, uh, it shocks me because, in my opinion, Fletch is a classic. It's one of those classic comedies that you have to see. And that's that's why I chose it. Plus, I was just kind of going through my library of films and I was trying to pick out films that I I love that I've talked to a lot of people and that haven't seen. And this is one that stuck out to me. Gotcha. So what is your history with this movie? Because you said you were born in 1990. This mm-hmm. is, you know, older than you are. Mm-hmm. Um, how does someone born in 1990 come across this movie? I got to give all the credit to my father. My father introduced me to to Fletch and to a lot of the great comedies that were made before I um, before I was created. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I got to give him all the all the credits. He introduced me to this, like I said, Naked Gun, Blazing Saddles, which was another one that I thought about choosing because that's mm. that's probably my favorite comedy of all time. But which also has a connection with this one. Yeah, Burton. Gilliam oh yeah, yeah, playing yeah, yeah. From from Blazing Saddles, mm-hmm. playing a bit role here as a mechanic. Yep. Um, so that was another one I thought about doing as well. But that one in this day and age could be a little dicey talking about. Um, <laughs> so I chose not to do that one. But yeah, my father introduced me to a lot of great comedies like uh, like Fletch. Uh, and this is this is just one of my favorite ones that he introduced me to. Gotcha. Yeah, I think it's interesting you made the comment about dicey, you know, to talk about. This movie is not exactly pure from that. Um, I mean, I, I was a little shocked that it, it pretty much opens with the hint of police brutality. Oh, yeah. That Definitely. the black character, uh, his nickname is Gummy. Well, we don't see it till later, but right. at the beginning, Gummy comes into the frame. You have George Went from, you know, Cheers fame mm-hmm. playing uh, uh, Fat, Fat Sam. Sam. Mm-hmm. And th- they're talking about drugs and Gummy shows up and says, the cops did this to me. They're always beating up on me. And he's got a black eye. Yeah. And this is 85 and they're making a commentary on police brutality, which then again, we see later in the picture. Mm -hmm. I found that really interesting. And then you have a dream sequence where Fletch (laughs) is imagining himself as one of the L.A. Lakers with a giant afro. Yeah. And I, I don't feel like that is particularly uh, PC for today's times. It's not PC, but honestly, that's one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Really? Um, yes. I, I think it's hilarious. And, and I, like I said, I grew up on Blazing Saddles. I grew up on Mel Brooks, who is not PC at all. No. I, and I, that's, that's kind of my style of comedy. I, if I'm watching something that's not aiming to offend everybody, I don't find it that funny. I, I like stuff that, that literally is trying to offend everybody. Like, I don't know if you listened to our uh, recent review of The Hunt, uh, but that yes. movie is very much trying to offend everybody of every political spectrum. And I loved it. So yeah, I, I like, I like stuff like that. And I, I thought it was very funny and yeah, I agree. It's not PC, uh, but, but just seeing, seeing uh, Chevy chase with a big Afro biting somebody on the arm <laughs> is just hilarious. Yeah. Well, and this one comes to me at a really interesting point mm-hmm. because the last couple of movies that have been picked, they're not going to air before this one, mm-hmm. but they're comedies but they're comedies from the the, the late 60s, early 70s. Mm-hmm. And that was a very different approach to comedy than, mm-hmm. say, the 1980s mm-hmm. or today even. 
And it feels like we've really moved towards comedy is this set him up one liner, set him up yeah. one liner, set him up. And, and it's that's not how it was mm-hmm. in the, the 60s, 70s era. Mm-hmm. So it was suddenly a very different aesthetic than I had with the last couple of movies I've watched. On on top of that, I, I've discovered, you know, we, we did a couple of comedies early in the run of this podcast, and I talked about I, I don't really go to the theater to see comedies, and mm-hmm. it's something I probably need to change about my own viewing habits. But because most of the time I'm watching these comedies alone, I don't tend to laugh out loud at them. Like I'll chuckle or I'll smile. And I have to admit, I laughed out loud quite a few times watching this one. Good, good. What scenes in particular did you laugh out loud at? Oh, I or boy, that would, in particular. If you if you wrote them down, I mean, if you didn't, that's fine. I had stuff like, um, "Are you a cop?" When he gets it, when he gets in the car yeah. and he's driving with the teenager, <laughs> yeah. "Are you a cop?" As far as you know, yeah, yeah you know, yeah. just that was like that was really funny. Or the monologue he's doing when he's his prostate's being checked, right. And they start you singing know, Moon River. Moon River, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that cracked me up. And, and it's just those that, that very wry one-liner yes. delivery that Chevy Chase has yeah. really worked for me here. But it's also, it, it's just a, it's a really clever film beyond just his one-liners. I mm-hmm. mean, if you think of the concept of the movie. So the concept of the movie is he's an investigative reporter trying to do a story on drug trade at yeah. the beach. And because he's there on the beach and because he's the right person or maybe mm-hmm. wrong person, he gets picked up by uh, uh, this guy who wants him to kill him. Right. I want you to murder me is specifically what he says. And it's like, that would be a really interesting plot. Yeah. A, a, a homeless guy is picked up by a rich guy who wants him to murder him for $50,000. Mm-hmm. But then on top of that, the plot is made more complex and more interesting by the fact that he's not a homeless guy. He's not a bum. He's not a druggie. He's an investigative reporter. Right. And that adds this whole other element to the picture and to the narrative that you wouldn't normally expect. And I, I, that I found, I, it's not just that it's a funny movie, but that it's a it's a clever movie in places. Yeah. And it's sort of a detective noir film a little bit as yeah. well. Um, packaged in this 80s comedy packaging. Yeah. I mean, there were aspects of it. I took a class when I was in graduate school that studied different genres. And mm-hmm. one of the genres we spent a couple of weeks on was detective stories. And we had mm-hmm. to read several novels and watch several films. And there are aspects of those projects here in this 1985 comedy. Right. So it, it definitely has more sophistication to it than you would, or at least than I would anticipate just, you know, looking at it. So it's judging a book by its cover kind of thing right which apparently i was wrong to do <laughs> yeah 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 um i i 100 agree with that and i think it, it kind of helps that this came this story came from a book as well um so right. it was a detective novel before it was turned into this 1980s chevy chase vehicle now have you read the original book i have not i've i've loved i'd love to find them and read them i from what i've heard the movies or at least the two chevy chase movies are not that faithful to the books. I think they lift the basic plot, but then they, of course, add that Chevy Chase wry wit and, and sarcastic humor to it, which I don't know is as prevalent in the book as it is in the movie. I think a lot of this is Chevy Chaseified, if you will. Yeah, my understanding is the novels are a lot more cynical. Yeah. Um, not, not as light as the movies are. So, yeah. I don't know. 
I enjoyed it. I, I found it really interesting. One of the things that cracked me up, I, I will admit, is his use of uh, pseudonyms throughout the movie. Hundred percent. That's that's one of that's that's probably my favorite running gag. That and the whole Underhill thing. Those are oh, my God, two yes. favorite running gags in this movie. Um, and, and I I always go back to the those um, whenever I'm thinking about this movie. Well, let's talk about the Underhill thing in a second. But some of the fake names he gives out, which apparently, so apparently the way this was filmed is they did the old typical one by the script mm-hmm. and one for you kind sure. of thing, which allowed uh, Chevy Chase to ad lib quite a bit. Right. And a lot of these pseudonyms were him ad libbing. Right. So among the ones I wrote down, uh, Ted Nugent, mm-hmm. uh, Babar. As in, you know, yes. the children's book character. And that was another line oh, yeah. was, you know, I understand. I understand that that's a, a, a kid's book about elephants. I wouldn't know. I don't have any. You don't have any children. I don't have any book about elephants. Yes. <laughs> I, wrote, <laughs> I wrote that line down as well. <laughs> um, Igor Stravinsky. Yep. I wrote that uh, G. Well. Gordon Liddy. Uh, about, Don Corleone. Yes, Don Corleone. And then he, he starts talking about the other people in the, the, the Godfather as well. Yeah, Harry Green's out of the picture of Fredo yeah, yeah. and and are are cleaning things up. Yeah, yeah. I love that. What about uh, Do- Dr. Rosen penis? I mean, Dr. Rosen Rosen. <laughs> yeah, Dr. Rosen Rosen. <laughs> I that was the first moment I audibly laughed was yes. when he looked at that board of yes. the doctors they're and all they're Rosen. all Dr. Rosen something. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh, and then he says, "Oh, Dr. Rosen penis." <laughs> it's so funny. Which I read an interview with him, and most of that scene was not scripted in advance. I'm not surprised. The idea of the whole board of Rosens, that was something he came up with the day that they he showed up and they were mm-hmm. getting everything set up to film. And they were actually laying out the doctor names on there. And he said, why don't you have them all be Rosen something? Oh, okay. I didn't. I didn't. I figured that was probably in the script. And then he just ad-libbed the the name he gave but oh, that's no he he had them do that so Very it funny. set up him ad-libbing the rosen something right <laughs> so i i mean it's the the fake names that it reminded me of uh the tv show psych yeah where he is often giving out just r- absolutely ludicrous names yeah but here it's almost it's it's partially I mean, knowing that he was ad-libbing them, it's partially what could Chevy Chase come up with, but it mm-hmm. also almost feels like an intelligence check to the people he's talking to. Sure. Because if he can if he can tell you I'm Ted Nugent and you don't bat an <laughs> eye at it, then he knows where your level of awareness or intelligence is. Yeah, and at the end when um, Tim Matheson is pointing the gun at him and he calls him Mr. Nugent, I thought he was calling him Mr. Nugent out of, I don't know the word I'm looking for, but but saying it in the in a in the way that like he knew he knew the the jig was up like he knew that he wasn't really mr nugent then i was kind of surprised that he was surprised when he finds out that his name is actually fletch um i I thought that was kind of funny so yeah that does really speak to how smart these characters are yeah um so yeah i i thought that was a really funny reoccurring gag the other gag you mentioned that that also is is quite well done is the underhill Mm -hmm. account Yes. That he sees Underhill just treating the waiter like absolute trash yes. at the club. Yeah. And so he gets his revenge just by charging everything to Underhill's account. Right. And I, I love when those two waiters come to the little bungalow or whatever and drop off the food and the wine. And he's like, here, give each other $20 and uh, and charge to the Underhills. <laughs> yep. Yes. And I almost wish they hadn't had Underhill finding out about it there yeah. in the middle of the picture because yeah. I felt like it was something they could have carried on. 
But then they do. They did. Yeah, they did at the end. Yeah. So it was like, that's, you know, good comedy. The, the rule of comedy is a rule of threes, that everything mm-hmm. is repeated three times. And that certainly appeal, you know, applies there, that you have him do it the first time when he's first at the club, then mm-hmm. the second time when he comes back to the club, and then Underhill discovers it. So you don't think there's going to be a third. Mm-hmm. So it actually sets the audience off, you know, like you're not going to get that third. And then yeah. when you get the third, it's even more satisfying that it's yeah. like, oh, yeah, okay. And I had completely forgotten about that. So when that happens, it, it felt fresh to me. So my other question, you, you mentioned Tim Matheson, you know, holding the gun on him. Tim Matheson plays uh, the the rich millionaire here mm-hmm. who is hiring Stanwyck. him. Yeah, Stanwick, mm-hmm. uh, who's hiring him to murder him, uh, who's hiring Fletch to murder him, Stanwick. Right. Um, and my first thought when I saw him is, does Tim Matheson ever play a good guy? Um, I think I saw him play a good guy. He played the father in like an ABC family movie once. i'm not joking i really do think i saw that uh back when it was called abc family um but yeah no i i don't know i i don't think so usually he does play kind of like the sleazy bad guy they're usually a sleazy rich bad guy of some sort yeah i mean i'm just i'm used to and especially like i just uh watched a couple weeks ago for the first time uh a movie for the show that apparently is just never going to happen but van wilder and he oh. plays Van Wilder's dad in that. So yeah. like that was fresh in my mind of then coming into this and, oh, he's the bad guy here. You know? Yeah. It, it, it was it was really funny to me. Uh, so this is interesting. I just pulled up his filmography to, to look and see. And oh, just a, a, animal house. Just a, a general note for you that I know you'll appreciate based on a recent episode of your podcast. Right. He, he's a voice in Fast and Furious Spy Racers, the cartoon. Oh, God. <laughs> is, he the, is he the villain in that <laughs> i i don't know because i haven't seen it but yeah. he's general dudley that sounds kind of that like that's gonna be a bad like guy a villain. yeah so like a villain 100 well i won't be watching that i mean yeah if you listen to the podcast <laughs> you know i love me some fast of the furious even though they're terrible films they're very enjoyable. oh i love them um but yeah them. that i won't be watching yeah i'm just used to him being like i remember seeing him in like uh, uh, the the Brady Bunch movies, or the I guess the second one. Okay, was he the villain in that? Yeah. Okay, it's been a while since I've seen those. I know I've seen both of them, but I don't really remember them that well. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I can't. I off the top of my head, and I I could sit here and look through his uh filmography, yeah. I'm sure, and find somewhere where he's played a good guy. But he's just one of those actors where he's been associated with a bad guy so many times that you just automatically that's where your brain goes when you when you see him on screen right you know he's going to play a bad guy he's going to be a villain dang yeah i'm I'm sitting here scrolling through his filmography as well he's been in so much stuff yeah Crazy. oh he's he's a working he's actor he's been yeah he's certainly working that's for sure he's been around for a long time um but yeah i, I can't think of anything off the top of my head other than that i was trying to find the name of that abc family show or movie but other than that <laughs> no i can't think of anything he's actually played the good guy in uh, but yeah, I, I feel like he he would be good as kind of like the the typical father role uh, in a show or a movie. But yeah, he's always the yeah. villain. Lisa Lucas from Best Forevers, a podcast for kindred spirits. I'd like to start a movement where we spend more time loving on our friends because although friends are important to us, they're often in the shadow of other relationships. 
So if you want to love on your friendships a little bit more, embrace friendship a little bit more, or just appreciate your friendships a little bit more, then this podcast is for you. We'll explore all the different ways friendships take place, share the amazing stories of friendship, and discuss best practices for the difficulties that friends may experience. It's time to embrace friendships because without our friends, who would we be? So check out Best Forever's on iTunes, Stitcher, and all the other podcasting listening venues. And be sure to follow Best Forever's pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So to talk a little bit about some of the other supporting cast, because we, we started talking about that. Gina Davis is yeah. here in a supporting role. Yeah. I mean, she's got more screen time than most of the other supporting actors, but this is definitely before she, you know, hit it big on her own. Oh, for sure. As we said, George Went is in this. Joe Don Baker plays the chief of police. Yeah. Uh, you know him. He has a, you know, pretty decent career as well. Yeah. Um, you Burton Gilliam, we mentioned. James Avery, who played Uncle Phil in Fresh Prince, is mm-hmm. a, a cop here. Uh, I, I mean, Which, it's this just, is its fourth film role. Oh really? Yeah, I, I was I was I was looking it up because I couldn't remember his name off the top of my head. I just wrote down Uncle Phil, and I was like, yeah, I should probably talk. I should probably use his real name on the podcast. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I looked him up, and I was like, wow, this is his fourth film role. He's he's considerably skinnier here. Um, still oh, yeah. not still not a skinny man, but uh, yeah, he's, he looks he looks quite a bit different, much younger than he does in Fresh Prince. But yeah, I was surprised to see this was his fourth film role. Yeah. So one of the advertising mechanics of this movie was mm-hmm. the idea that he's a uh, investigative reporter who changes identities more than he changes his underwear. Right. You know, that he's he's frequently in different disguises. And I, I have to admit, I was a little disappointed with that aspect of the movie, that a lot of the disguises really aren't more than him just putting on different clothes and going by a different name. And fake teeth. Yeah, and, he has uh, the fake teeth. The bloody nose. <laughs> Which I didn't really think was all that much of a disguise, other no, than just giving not. him a talking point. It's not. Uh, but there was, like, especially when he's got the fake teeth and he's talking about the... Uh, uh, ball bearings. About, yeah, the ball bearings. Yeah, I need a 30-pound ball bearings. <laughs> like, ball bearings? What do you need ball bearings for? Yeah, I, 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 yeah, you're right. They're not that big of disguises. I think if you watch Fletch 2, Fletch Lives... Uh, the disguises get a little bit more over the top. They're a little bit more of disguises, but you can still always tell it's usually him. Um, but yeah, I, I'd agree with you, but I, I still, I love the use of pseudonyms and, and the different uh, professions he's trying to fake. Yeah. The one disguise I will say is the last disguise yes. he uses in the movie. He looks like his editor. Oh my God. It's, yeah. it's like really an impressive disguise. Very he's well he's wearing roller skates at the beach. <laughs> He looks like a homeless guy wearing roller skates is yeah. about the best way I could sum it up. But I love when it he shakes does his not ass. look, it does not look like Chevy Chase. No, it doesn't. All. It doesn't. They, they did a good job at first. I mean, it's been probably five years since I've seen this film. Um, I've probably watched it all together in my life, probably 10 times, but it's been a while since I've seen it, um, which is another reason I chose it. But I love when he's skating down there at first. I was like, is that, is that the editor? 
because it looks it looks like what's his name libertini i can't remember his yeah. first name. richard libertini um it looks a lot like him uh then as i got closer i was like oh this is definitely chevy chase he's he's dancing he's acting goofy he knows that those two surfers sitting there are actually cops watching for him so he shakes his ass at him i thought it was hilarious uh but yeah i agree it was very good makeup yeah so is the sequel worth checking out because again having not seen this obviously i haven't seen the sequel yes it's not as good as this movie it's it's a bit sillier he's moved out to essentially the basic plot of that movie is some distant relative of his dies and leaves him because he's he's the only relative left i guess leaves him this house out in the middle of the country and the plot of this movie is this giant mega church run by arlie ermy who's this mega church pastor joel osteen type is trying to come in here and buy all this land and build a mega church and he's he's he goes undercover basically and to try to find out the sketchy dealings of this mega church um so it's definitely enjoyable it's definitely different from the first one it's not just a retreat of the first one which i appreciate in in sequel comedies because a lot of sequel comedies are pretty much just the same movie over again a la hangover 2 mm-hmm. which i like hangover 2 but it's it's still not great i really want to berate on the hangover movies i like i loved the first one and yeah. i really want to hate on the sequels and then yeah. i found out that craig mazin mm-hmm. who won a emmy last year for chernobyl mm-hmm. he was one of the screenwriters on the hangover sequels and really? it's like i really appreciate and respect him i love listening to his podcast mm-hmm. but dude see i like the first hangover sequel i thought it was if you had just made that movie and not made the first one i would say in my opinion it's it's close to as funny but it's the exact same movie just they took it and moved it to where they moved to thailand yeah it's the exact same movie but i did think it was funny the third one i think is atrocious they should have see i haven't seen the third one the second one i I, I, now i haven't seen it since it was in theaters but Mm -hmm. i distinctly remember coming out thinking it was almost identical to the first one except for i felt like i needed to clorox wipe every part of my body having seen it (laughs) what just because it looks so dirty Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I, I don't I don't remember why I had that thought. I just yeah. remember having that thought. That's funny. And I don't I'm not really interested in revisiting it to determine why. But yeah, so so it's so it's not a retread of the first one. Now no, it's not. There there's been a long time brewing yes. third movie. Yes. That has I been stuck in developmental hell since about nineteen ninety. Yes. Um Kevin Smith was mm-hmm. on board. At one point, it was going to be with Chevy Chase. Then it was going to be without Chevy Chase. Jason Lee uh, is possibly the the lead. Yeah, Jason Lee, uh, Ben Affleck. Uh, at one point, it was Kevin Smith doing it with Zach Braff playing yeah. Fletch. And mm-hmm. then Kevin Smith dropped off the project. And Zach Braff's director, creator, Scrubs, Bill Lawrence, stepped in. And then that's fallen apart since then, too. So it's like... Uh, the the latest version I heard had Jason Sudeikis attached to yes. it. Yeah. Uh, do that's... you want, do you even want a third Fletch film, especially without Chevy Chase? I don't necessarily want a third Fletch film, but I think at this point, if they're going to make a new Fletch film, it's going to be a reboot. It's not going to be related to the first two, or at least I hope it's not. Cause those are in my mind, they're kind of sacred ground. Don't, don't try to make a sequel or a prequel or whatever you're going to try to do to those movies. Just start, start fresh, 
maybe change the tone a little bit. Nowadays, kind of action comedy is big. Add some more action in there. I'm perfectly fine with that. I like a good action comedy. Um, but no, I, I don't want a, an exact sequel. But I, if Jason Sudeikis is playing Fletch, I'm 100% down because as far as nowadays, Jason Sudeikis, in my opinion, is kind of the closest we have to a new Chevy Chase. I know he hasn't had the same success as Chevy Chase has as far as in movies go, but I think they have very similar comedic sensibilities. Um, so I'd love to see him play it. When when they were talking about Jason Lee, I thought Jason Lee would be a good pick. Ben Affleck, where the hell are they thinking? Where the hell, <laughs> what the hell are they thinking with Ben Affleck? You kidding me? Um, but Zach Braff, I thought he would have been okay too. But as far as Jason Sudeikis, I think is the best choice. I've always thought if they were going to remake National Lampoon's Vacation, which they did, I thought that Jason Sudeikis should have been Clark Griswold because I think he can do the best best i don't want to say imitation because he is his own comedian too but he's very similar to chevy chase in my opinion um which i wish they had gotten him for the vacation sequel i I was just about to ask didn't they but then i realized that's not millers which is basically kind of a a vacation movie it's his own vacation movie which i like where the millers quite a bit i think it's very funny um, yeah, no, it's Ed um Ed, Ed Helms, which I like Ed, Ed Helms, Helms yeah. but he's he's no Chevy Chase. His style of comedy is totally different. Um which uh, it didn't work for me in the remake of Vacation. It was fine. It was fine, but it, it wasn't great. Wouldn't you be worried with a remake about it being just too different from this version of Fletch? I mean, I I don't know if maybe they make it and say, "Oh, let's stick to the novel and make it more cynical." That's but I, I, I don't feel doing. like our time period would accept, you know, as I said, like the, the gag with him in the Afro, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's not going to play today. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder about how many other changes they'd have to make. Yeah. I, again, that kind of stuff. I'm, I think that was probably more Chevy chase than it was from the book. Um, I mean, if you've read anything about Chevy chase behind the scenes of like the show community, um, I think I think he's fairly uh, un PC in real life too, even now. Um, so I think a lot of that came from him specifically. So I, I don't know. I, I they'd have to certainly not include that kind of stuff nowadays. But yeah, I, I'd be okay with a f- new Fletch movie, and I, I'd be okay with it being very different from these Fletch movies. I don't think they need to shoot for this style again. Uh, of course, keep the. I want I want them to keep the kind of smart ass sharp wittiness of the character that Chevy Chase created, but as far as the world around him and the story around him, it could be a little bit more, um, I guess, like you said, cynical or even darker and grittier. Uh, which I sound like I'm talking about a new Batman movie. Um, <laughs> but, but talking about Batman movies, I mean, they've always made new Batman movies and they've always changed them a little bit differently. Um, there are plenty of... there. James Bond is another character that they've constantly made movies about and they've constantly reboot that property and they've been successful at it and they've changed a little stuff every time they reboot it. So I think... It so you think Fletch. Fletch can be in the same category as I Batman mean, or Bond? No, not... Not exactly. I know it's a bold statement. (laughs) I think that kind of detective character. Yeah, I think it can be done a lot. I mean, look at the 
um, what is it? Perot. Yeah. Yeah. Look at those, that kind of stuff. That character has been done a million times and he was kind of done again with knives out, even though that's not the same character, but it kind of is the same character. Um, that kind of character has been done a bunch of different times and Fletch is kind of like that. He's a, he's a investigative detective journalist kind of kind of thing so it's it's a type of character that's been rebooted and, and done a bunch so yeah I, I think it can kind of be like that obviously it's not like that yet but i'm 100 percent down for a fletch sequel reboot okay or whatever well it just dawned on me that i i kind of completely jumped over the critical review side of things so just kind of really quickly hit the reviews at the time it, it does sit at 77 percent at rotten tomatoes yeah at 68 percent at metacritic which so it's fairly popular towards it mm-hmm. But the the reviews actually had a point, I guess we're kind of already talking about. Um, Roger Ebert, I always like to use Ebert. He provides the negative review for this. No. And he he wrote, the problem with Fletch is that the central performance is an anthology of Chevy Chase mannerisms in search of a character. Other elements in the movie are pretty good. The supporting characters, the ingenious plot, the unexpected locations. Mm -hmm. But whenever the movie threatens to work, there's Chevy Chase with his monotone, deadpan cynicism distancing himself from the material. And later in the review, he said Fletch needed an actor more interested in playing the character than in playing himself. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I fully agree with that because I feel like this character, the character of Fletch, I mean, obviously he's still got the kind of quick wittedness to him, but I feel like the character of Fletch is definitely different than other characters he's played as far as Clark Griswold goes. What I found really interesting is that Chevy Chase, he doesn't acknowledge that per se, but when he's asked what his favorite role is, he says his favorite role was Fletch because it was the most like himself. Oh, okay. It let him be himself. Yeah. I think I've heard that before, but I, I don't know. Chevy Chase is not an actor. He's a comedian. So he, I mean, he has a shtick. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's like, a good point. Just like uh, Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler's not an actor, although he's tried. He's he's gone into more serious acting, and I think he's done a good job um, sometimes. Uh, but yeah, I mean Adam Sandler when he's doing comedy, he's doing the Adam Sandler shtick. Same with Will Ferrell, which I love Will Ferrell, but Will Ferrell has a shtick. I mean, usually comedians they're not actors. They're they're comedians, and they're there to make you laugh. They're not there to really play characters other than like the normal kind of characters they play all the time. Um, okay. But yeah, I mean, I, I would say he is pretty much being himself, but I do think this character is a little bit different than like a Clark Griswold or even like the character he plays in Funny Farm, which I can't remember the name of the, that character at the moment. But yeah, I, I, I wouldn't completely disagree with that, I guess. Okay. Well, the flip side, just to, to give equal treatment here, sure. is Dwayne Burge from The Hollywood Reporter, who has almost completely the opposite approach to it. Who says with his glib low key assurance, chase is hilarious as the laid back, but tenacious newspaper man mm-hmm. uh, screenwriter, Andrew Bergman adapting from Gregory McDonald's bestselling novel has deftly fashioned an uproarious vehicle for chase's droll talents. Mm-hmm. Admittedly, the storyline weaves all over the place, but no matter chase's performance and a plethora of daft and witty situations carry it past some structural rough spots. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like it's funny because on one hand, you have Ebert saying Chase is the weak point, despite uh, excellent locations, good supporting characters and ingenious plot. And on the other side, you have Burge saying Chase is the strong point who pulls it through a weak story. (laughs) (laughs) I think I read that that review earlier, actually, because I remember um, I remember bits and pieces of that. Uh, But, yeah, I, I would say I would probably 
air more towards chase i mean i get what roger ebert's saying but at the same time i mean fletch is fletch is definitely more less aloof than like a clark griswold is clark griswold is very aloof and is not always aware of his what's going on around him um, as far as what other characters think about the situations that they're in. And Fletch is more analytical. He's more, I mean, he's the, he's a detective. He's, he's a little bit more attention to detail, I guess. So I, I think they're very different characters, but of course he brings his same, his same sensibilities to them. And I do think he is kind of the strong point of this movie. So I, I fully agree with what is his name? Chase. I'd fully agree with uh, Dwayne, Dwayne Burge, Dwayne Bird. I don't, where'd I get chase from? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Chevy, Chevy chase. Oh yeah. Yeah. Chevy chase. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Any other aspects of the movie you want to talk about before we move into the end credits here? Um, no, I mean, I think that covers it all. Okay, cool. All right. Well, first we have the algorithm says this is kind of a lightning round. Your quick responses. Uh, these are movies that various algorithms say, if you like Fletch, you Ooh. will like these movies. Ooh, I'm excited about this. I forgot you did this. Yeah. I specifically pulled out almost all of the Chevy Chase roles because those okay. were obviously the first ones to pop up. But yeah. It's a very niche list. Let's say that. Okay. Right, so <laughs> I got to give you I like or I don't like or I haven't seen it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just quick reactions. Okay. I like it. I don't like it. I don't know why the hell it's connected to this. That okay. kind of thing. Love it. All right. All right. Let's do it. First up, The Three Amigos. Love it. Own it. Yeah. Great film. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Stripes. Um, You know, I think I've seen it. It's okay. I'm not a huge Bill Murray fan. Really? Yeah. Bill Murray is... I, I like Bill Murray, um, but he's not up there with like Chevy Chase and Steve Martin for me. Bill Murray's very hit or miss for me, especially nowadays. Now, old Bill Murray is very funny. See, that's really interesting. I'm the, the Bill Murray, Steve Martin above uh, Chevy Chase, and really? you specifically said Steve Martin, so that's well, interesting. Steve Martin's, yeah, he's up there with Chevy Chase for me. I love Steve Martin, too. Um, but yeah, I, especially nowadays, like, have you seen, I know this is supposed to be lightning around, but I'm, I'm going to derail you for it. It's all good. Um, have you seen lost in translation? Of course. So everybody, especially critics love that movie. I've watched it three times and every time I watch it, I hate it even more. Oh my God. Yeah. I can't stand I love it. that movie. I can't stand it. And and I want to like it. That's why I've watched it three times. I want to like it so bad and I cannot stand it. It's so depressing and just, I, I just, I, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth every time I watch it. I, I can understand that. There's another Bill Murray movie I watched um, to review and suddenly I'm going blank on the name of it. The Broken Flowers. Yes, Broken yeah. Flowers. I and I, I mean, I like it, but I didn't love it. And there were people who were absolutely gaga over that movie. Yeah. Who, who directed that? Jim Jarmusch. Jim Jarmusch, yeah. Another one of those kind of indie guys that makes movies that bore me. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I liked it, but I didn't go gaga over it like okay. some people did. So, okay. all right. Yeah. All uh, right. Back on track here. Okay. <laughs> we got two down. Right. <laughs> uh, the Great Outdoors. Um, haven't seen it. Okay. That doesn't surprise me. It's not like Dan the most Aykroyd, popular of right? Dan Aykroyd and John Candy. Yeah. John Candy. Mm -hmm. Planes, trains, and automobiles. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. Not a huge John Candy fan. To quote a podcaster, I know I want to reach through this microphone and smack you in the face. <laughs> <laughs> I know a lot of people love that movie. I've seen it once. It's been a while ago, but when I saw it, I remember saying, yeah, it's, it's, it's okay. 
not bad. Okay. Again, I love Steve Martin. It's not my favorite Steve Martin movie, but yeah, I don't love Jim, John Candy, so I think that's what kind of turned me off on it. Oh, God. <laughs> as far as funny fat guys go, I'm more of a uh, Chris Farley guy. Okay. All right. Uh, Brewster's Millions. Haven't seen it. Okay. That's Richard Pryor. Right. This one cracked me up. Cannonball Run 2. Have not seen it. And it cracked me up because it's referenced on The Good Place. Uh, oh. that not the first one, but the second one, because really? it's it's a medium movie, What's is how they describe it. It's uh it's referenced several times throughout the the whole the show. Okay. I've watched most of season one and two, but I haven't finished I haven't gone any farther. If they've gone to the medium place, it's one of the videos she has at the uh, medium place. Okay. Because it's not a good movie, it's not a bad movie, it's a medium movie. <laughs> medium. Okay. So the fact that it showed up on this uh, that it wasn't the first one, it was the second one really cracked me up. Okay. Uh Joe versus the volcano. Uh, I saw it a long time ago. Yeah, okay. Okay. Fair didn't enough. leave a didn't leave an impression on me. Okay. One Crazy Summer. Never heard of it. We did an episode about it. <laughs> okay, well, sorry. I haven't listened to all your episodes, Rafe. Don't kill me. Uh, but I have listened to some. Uh, sorry, I, I, I listened to a lot. I apologize. <laughs> yeah, no, I hadn't seen it. I had not seen it until we did that episode, so I don't okay. blame you in the least. It, it was one that, and I'm a huge John Cusack fan. It's good. It's, it's worth checking oh, out. Oh, it's John Cusack. That's probably why I haven't seen it. You have an issue with John I, I don't Cusack? I hate John Cusack. No, Austin, my co-host, which you know Austin, he loves John Cusack. So I make it a point to hate John Cusack. Uh, okay, so you don't of, like John Candy and you don't like John Cusack. I don't yeah, know that we can like, be friends I don't anymore. like John's. Um, you, I don't you, like people named John. You're listening to a friendship disintegrate here on the podcast. <laughs> no, I don't hate I don't hate John Cusack, uh, but he's he's one of those guys that's just kind of there for me in in movies. Okay. He doesn't have a lot of charisma, um, okay. At least in my opinion, uh, I disagree. But okay. <laughs> uh, last two Cusack guy. <laughs> oh, I can't blame you there. Uh, last two, uh, and these are a little outlandish compared to the rest of the list. Romancing the Stone. I love it. Own it. Yeah. Great movie. Yeah. It doesn't really fit in this category, but okay. Uh, I don't care. I like it. It is kind of funny at times and it's an adventure. So yeah, I get where they're coming from there. Okay. And finally, Spaceballs. Love it. Yeah. I love Mel Brooks. Although it's not my, not one of my favorite Mel Brooks movies, but it is very funny. Um, Really? Well, yeah. I I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know. My favorite is definitely blazing saddles and then probably young frankenstein well i can't disagree with those two okay yeah and then right. I, See, I would put i would put space balls at like three though yeah so. you're right space balls is probably three um but those are my two favorite ones like all i can rewatch those all day space balls i'm a huge star wars fan but space balls is a very good send-up of star wars but it's not up there with those other two in my opinion i think it's just a slight grade below those two okay All right, we always end with a pop quiz for multiple choice questions that are inspired by the movie. Before we go on, I hate to continue to interrupt you and derail you. No problem. I know you took out a bunch of Chevy Chase movies, but can I ask what those were? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, give me just a second. I can pull those up. Um, Yeah. uh, No, so the Chevy Chase movies, Fletch Lives. Okay, love it. Spies Like Us. I don't love that movie. It's okay. Okay. Caddyshack. Yeah. Gotta love it. National Lampoon's Vacation. Of course. All four. Well, all four minus European. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, I like European. I like European too, but it's definitely my least favorite of the three. And then uh, Funny Farm. 
Okay, yeah, Funny Farm's okay. All right, cool. Cool. All right. All right, let's hear that pop quiz. All right, ready for the pop quiz now? I'm ready. Yes, sir. <laughs> okay. Uh, number one, I always like to kind of hit on alternate casting. Uh-huh. Several other actors were being considered for the role of Fletch before director Michael Ritchie stood up for Chevy Chase. Right. Which of the following actors was not a consideration for the investigative reporter? So mm-hmm. three of them were, one of them wasn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, Charles Grodin, mm-hmm. B, Tom Selleck, mm-hmm. C, Burt Reynolds, or D, Mick Jagger? Well, I read about this earlier, so I kind of cheated. I know Charles Grodin. I know Charles Grodin was. I want to say, I want to say Mick Jagger, but I feel like that. I I don't remember reading Mick Jagger, but I feel like that one is so wild it could be true. Um, and then you said Tom Selleck, and who was the third? Burt Reynolds. Oh, Burt Reynolds was definitely in contention for this. I'm gonna I'm gonna go Mick Jagger. Nope, <sighs> Jagger was actually in consideration. It was Tom Selleck. Oh, yeah. Damn. Okay. Charles Grodin would have been good as Fletch. I like Charles Grodin. He's pretty funny. It would have been a very different character. Sure. And that's that's one of the things I like with this alternate casting is just consider what those versions would have been like. I cannot picture it with Mick Jagger at all. Oh my gosh. Why would they even think about Mick Jagger? That's terrible. This was the time period where Mick Jagger wanted to be an actor. Like, I feel like his name was thrown about half of the projects from the late 80s. Really? Okay. And then he was in Free Jack, which I think it was early 90s. And everybody went, yeah, that's just not a good idea. No, it's not a good idea. <laughs> All right. Number two, the exterior of the Stanwick house, most mm-hmm. notably the fence and pool shown towards the end of the film, share a connection with one of Fletch's fake identities. Mm-hmm. What is the connection? A, it's the private estate of G. Gordon Liddy. B, it's the home of Jean de Brunhoff, the creator of Babar. C, it's the estate of Magic Johnson. Or D, it was used in the movie The Godfather. Ah, ooh. I'm going to go with The Godfather. I'm going to go with D. Yep, it was D. Do you literally have a bell back there that you're ringing? I do, and I keep forgetting to use it, so, you know. I like it. (laughs) All right, number three. Fletch originally had a second dream sequence like the one where Fletch plays for the Lakers. Uh The contents of the dream sequence are still alluded to within the movie, even though the scene was cut. What did Fletch dream? Uh A, he was a baseball player who was benched by Tommy Lasorda. Uh B, he was a hockey player who went up against Wayne Gretzky. Mm -hmm. C, he was still an investigative reporter, but won a Pulitzer for Jane Doe. Mm -hmm. And D, he was an unknown bassist who wound up filling in for the Ted Nugent band. (laughs) Um, I want to say either. Did you come up with these questions and answers yourself? Yes. You did a great job. Um, (laughs) I want to say either C or D. Because uh, Ted Nugent was an alias he used, uh, but I don't know. I could see him being as self-absorbed to to think he'd win a Pulitzer. I'm gonna go with C. No, he was a baseball player oh, who was okay. benched oh, by Tommy cool. Lasorda, which is why he smashes the picture and says he hates Tommy Lasorda. Ah, I remember that line, but honestly, because I was born in the '90s, I had no idea who Tommy Lasorda was. Yeah, they're they're losing in the baseball game, and Tommy Lasorda walks out. They filmed this. Tommy uh-huh. Lasorda walks out to the mound and says, "Give me the ball." You know, basically uh-huh. saying, "You know, you're sitting," and uh, he refuses to give him the ball, and the two end up wrestling on the ground over the ball. Okay, yeah, I do remember <laughs> that. I didn't remember the name Tommy Lasorda until you just brought it back up, but I do remember that. Uh, so interesting. All right, here's here's the most challenging one. Okay. Uh, Last question. When asked what comes to mind when he thinks of Fletch, what was Chevy Chase's two word answer? (laughs) A. Jelly finger. B. Funny teeth. Okay. C. Magic Johnson. Uh Or D. Underhill account. Ooh, I'm going Magic Johnson. 
No, it was funny teeth. Ah, that was going to be my second guess. (laughs) I like it. I guess he's thinking about the, uh, the scene where he's looking at the airplane. Yeah, he just loved the fact that they let him play around with wigs and funny teeth. That's yeah. that that was one of his things. As I said, I'll send you the link to that interview. It's a really good interview. With yeah, him. definitely. All right, man. What do you want to promote? Where can people find you? Uh, yeah, they can find uh, me and my co-host Austin on Spotify or iTunes. Uh, Real Rundown. We have three shows a week. Uh, we're talking about we're shooting the shit, talking about things we watched over the last week. We also do a movie review of a new movie, which is kind of hard right now. Uh, <laughs> and then at the end of the week, we do an episode where we rank a top 10 or top five uh, movies that are related to the movie we reviewed. But yeah, check us out. Uh, Real Rundown. Fantastic, man. As I said, I hadn't seen this one before, so I really appreciate you introducing me to it. I had a great time watching it. Absolutely. I'm so glad that you had not seen it and I could introduce you to this. So if you if if you're gracious enough to allow me back on the show in the future, I'm going to make sure I find another film you haven't seen. <laughs> All right. Challenge accepted. So that does it for this week, but you can keep the conversation going throughout the week on social media. Share your thoughts about Fletch, or maybe tell me a movie you'd like to come on the show and talk about. You can find me at Talon Hess on Twitter, or the show at Have Not Seen This on Twitter, on Facebook where I Have Not Seen This podcast, or email me at HaveNotSeenThis at gmail.com. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the show so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes, including next week's episode, which I'll sum up in just one word. Just one word. Are you listening? plastics. Positive ratings and reviews are always welcome. And of course, head over to Podcatcher and review us there to help raise funds for Meals on Wheels. And we always appreciate just sharing the podcast with a friend and spreading the love. If you like World of Warcraft or other Blizzard Entertainment games, be sure to check out my other podcast, Citizens of Azeroth, a World of Warcraft podcast, also available through all major podcast sources. Special thanks to Chris Talent for our wonderful theme song, and thanks to Price for providing this week's conversation, and maybe our friendship can recover from it. Until next week, I'm Rafe Telsch, and this has been Have Not Seen This. <laughs>